You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Oh, this is America, the place to find the hope. If you give up, you will never find your family. So, never say never. Say never, say never, whatever you do. Good advice. In fact, challenge. None of us can say that N-word for the rest of this podcast. So keep your ears open if somebody says the N-word. Take a shot. Yeah. Shot of water. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. Kicking off Animation Fest here on 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. With me, as always, in the lavish new uh, Awesome Podcast Network studios, along with my producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And joining us once again, his significant other... Melissa Sedgley. Hello. And kicking it off, one of the most beloved animated films of the 80s, an American tale, a Don Bluth film. Who is Don Bluth? Well, he used to work for Disney, and then he broke out on his own and had a string of successful movies in the 80s and early 90s. There you go. Uh, In a nutshell. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, of course, the time period we're working at now, 86, this is... Uh, Animation was at a really kind of... in a big kind of a slump in general. This is after the golden age of Disney... The Disney animated films that were coming out in this time really weren't, you know, they're still classics in a sense, but they're not like a Snow White or a Lion King. This is pre-Disney Renaissance, which started in 89 with The Little Mermaid. This is a uh, November 21st, 1986. Uh, to give you to set the time frame, IMDb gives it a 6.9, Rotten Tomatoes 68%. However, audiences liked it 3% better at 71 $9 million budget for this animated film. Uh, couldn't find any information on the opening. However, domestically, it grossed 47.4. Worldwide, was 84.5. Wikipedia says 150 million. And if Daniel was here, he always likes to know the rental numbers. 37 million in rentals. Uh, I owned it. I had a VHS. It was one of the. I had it on VHS because it was the movie, the VHS store copy, because they ordered like 10 copies in when it comes out. And then after a few months, they put all the extra ones on sale. Mm. So I had a copy with the VHS, like. Barcode uh, sticker oh, on the side, I remember those. and I hated it because it wasn't a, a clean copy. <laughs> also had the soundtrack to this on record, literal oh, yeah, vinyl, yeah, record. vinyl record, mm-hmm. uh, and I played the hell out of it because that'd be the hip thing it. to own nowadays. Oh yeah, I'd be so cool if I was a, in six years old back then. Now all the millennials would worship you. Yeah, oh, you got it on vinyl. <laughs> God, yeah, Horner just like sounds totally better on vinyl. <laughs> You haven't heard an American tale until you've heard it on vinyl. <laughs> oh, I'd like to just hang out at a record store and like see like somebody, hey, you check this one out on vinyl. <laughs> just the most random like vinyl thing you could find. But uh, <laughs> uh, directed by Don Bluth, uh, of course, uh, some of his other films you might remember, uh, Secret of Nim, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Done nothing since 2002, however. Uh, again, a former Disney animator. Uh, some of the f- Disney films he worked on. Was Disney. W- Disney, yeah. Disney. I say it weird, I know. Disney. 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 Three-syllable word, Disney. I've, I've, uh, as a kid, I always <laughs> said it like that. And like Autumn's like, oh, I love the way you say it. I'm like, no, it's wrong. Like, I got to I correct myself because I don't know why. I didn't have a list for anything as a kid. It's like Disney. Disney. I don't Disney. know. I, I guess I get excited, but I, like, in excitement, I add a syllable there sometimes. It takes longer to say. You exactly. can't get to your point. <laughs> <laughs> I build the suspense. The suspense. <laughs> 
To make it last lo longre. <laughs> that's just uh, that's, yeah. that's dumb. I'll take it back. But uh, some of the Disney films he worked on was uh, Robin Hood, one of my favorites. Great music in that one as well. Uh, the Rescuers, Fox and the Hound, and Pete's Dragon. So as Ooh, you can I see, love Pete's Dragon you know, up. Robin Hood and Fox and the Hound, I, I was never a Pete's Dragon. I just couldn't, when, like we'd watch it when I was at nursery school or whatever, like, I don't like this. Can we go outside and play? Just never <laughs> one of my favorites, personally. And like a lot of those like animated, uh, you know, or, or live action animation films that Disney did, just aside from like Mary Poppins, I like that one. I don't know why. Mm. But like uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh, I love that one too. Didn't care for that one. <laughs> didn't care for Pete's Dragon. Well, that's just me. Uh, uh, written by Judy Freudberg and Tony Geis. Uh, they also wrote The Land Before Time. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Where am I at? Uh, using, uh, starring the voice talents of Philip Glasser. He was Fievel Mouskowitz. He was also young Danny on Full House Flashbacks and reprised the role of Fievel in Fievel Goes West. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That's about it for him. Uh, the great Christopher Plummer was Henri. Of course, Sound of Music, Up, Beautiful Mind. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, if you saw his face, you know him <laughs> from countless other movies that he's been in. And he's like, what, pushing 90? I said their age on here. Oh, um, 1929, so there's some math. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, you're the math whiz. What is it? What is it, Jesse? Well, well, he, he's getting up there. 30, then 30 he's to getting 2000. Up there. Uh, <laughs> But Look at of, there. of course, most people remember him. I mean, I always remember him from The Sound He's, of Music uh, as Colonel Von Trapp. I believe. That's pretty hot there. Uh, John Finnegan as Warren. He was also in Mars Attacks and Last Action Hero. Uh, Will Ryan was Digit. He also had his voice talents in The Little Mermaid, but also was the voice of Petrie in The Land Before Time. Oh. Hmm. So another recurring character or person, so to speak, in the Don Bluth series of films. Uh, the late, great Madeline Kahn was Gussie. Of course, Blazing Saddles and Clue. Mm-hmm. Numerous other films as well. A lot of Mel Brooks stuff. Dom DeLuise was Tiger. Uh, History of the World Part 1. Blazing Saddles. He did, uh, was also in All Dogs Go to Heaven. So plenty of other movies too. Always would get him and Paul Prudhomme mixed up. <laughs> a lot of people did. Because Paul Prudhomme would have his face on his products. And I'd be like, oh, it's the dude from... Uh, there was some live action <laughs> movie he was in with like kangaroos or elephants or something. I don't remember. But I was like, oh, it's the dude from that movie. And But no, it was Paul Prudhomme, not... Dom DeLuise. And they're both dead now, so it's even more confusing. You can't say, oh, the dead one, because they're both dead. Uh, but anyway, uh, the music in the film, one of the most notable and uh, biggest aspects of it. See, look, they look like the same person. They're even wearing white. Who wears white berets? Yeah, like, exactly. They, they both wear them. That's ridiculous. Yeah, there's no question. That's yeah. a, they look alike. I mean, even the, the, where their beards are graying is like the same. Like, it's uncanny. It's ridiculous. Uh, but the music in the film, one of the uh, most memorable and uh, uh, fantastic things about uh, American Tale, in my opinion, uh, was done by James Horner, the late, great James Horner. Of course, he died in a plane crash last year or year before last. Excuse me, but of course, most known for uh, Aliens, Avatar, Titanic, a lot of, uh, obviously, uh, James Cameron films, but also uh, Willow, most impo- one of the most important ones that he did. Uh, and still, one of, in my opinion, probably one of his best next to Aliens. But, uh, yep, I remember be- going to the theater, a young lad of six years old, and watching this in the theater and be like, oh, it's so great. I love Feifel. He's, such- he's so cool. I love him so much. And, uh, of course, this came out November 21st for Christmas that year, uh, a month later, roughly. I got the Feifel stuffed animal, like, not uh, life-size, yeah. but you know, it, was, it was, as a kid of six, it was pretty big. And one of the reasons I wanted the damn thing was because I, it came with the hat. I wanted to take the hat off and have the hat to wear. Of course, in hindsight, I would have looked so stupid, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> but the hat was sewn on the stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't want to rip the hat off of the stuffed animal just to wear it. <laughs> and eventually, as I got older, I'm like, you know what? I always wanted to rip the hat off of this thing. I should just, do, I'm, I just did it when I was too old for a stuffed animal. I ripped the hat off of it just to see. And the good thing I didn't rip it off when I was a kid because right inside where like your head would go, it was all sewn up. So that's uh, where the, the stuffing was. So you'd have to rip that and have to re-sew it to even wear it. So even if had, as, as a child had I ripped it apart to wear it because I wanted Fievel's hat because that was his big mm-hmm. deal in the movie, it, I would have run the toy and <laughs> it wouldn't, I couldn't even wear it anyway. So there's that. But uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. I mean, we rented it a lot, watched it a lot, always loved it. And then we watched it again recently. And it's, still, it's not bad still, but it's, it's just like, eh. The, mag- <laughs> the magic is not there for an adult. I, uh, I can see how my parents are like, can't you watch something else? <laughs> I understand that now. It's, it's, it's good to go back and watch. You know, I'm glad I went back and watched it again. But, you know, the magic is there for a kid. There's some, like, cartoon, like, there's some Disney movies you can watch as an adult and you still, you know, like them. American Tale's still a good movie, still well animated, uh, for especially Damn. considering its time. And, I mean, the music is still great. It's just like, you know, I don't need to watch it again until I have a kid. Yeah, my mom has very fond memories of, uh, you know, daycare time when we are little, me and... This other girl, you know, picking us up from daycare and us like singing the little somewhere out there, oh, like because yeah. of course, I guess that was you know that's the popular song. Oh yeah, I mean it was film. on radio we, and uh, in fact, Jess, can you pull up like the you know hit songs for the year? Well, because it had oh, yeah. uh, the the two singers that that yeah. the, the duet. CC Winan, I think, or I might just be completely making up that name. Yeah, so that I sounds mean, familiar though. I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that. I've still I've I've heard on the radio still today. Yeah, every now and then, like some mm-hmm. of those like easy listening, they'll play somewhere out there, mm-hmm. and it's a great song. It's a good song, you know. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure that you know my friend and myself. You know, we seem to Came be out in probably. November. Cute as could be, singing somewhere out there in the back, but in highs. I mean, that's nope, a nope. really, it's a really sad moment of the movie. Oh yeah, did not chart on the Billboard charts. However, yeah. I assumed it would have been on there. At least uh, charted as number one, I should say. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Wow, not even top what fifty? Top one hundred. Oh wow, didn't even chart. Be at Delilah. I'm sure she'll play it. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> like. I came across her by accident, like when my mom was just dropped. We're going to pick up my mom from the airport, and I like to listen to Coast to Coast because they would usually have late night flights, red eye flights. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's like, well, it's, it's one o'clock, it's midnight too late, or one o'clock too late a.m. for too late for you to come pick. Like, no, no, it's great. And listen to Coast to Coast. An hour up there, an hour back, and then like for some reason, like it wasn't on. And then like so like scan like, oh, here's the chick talking. What's this? And it's like, oh yeah, I want to talk about love. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. and and then like the bumper, he's like, Delilah. I'm like, God, I'd kill myself. <laughs> this is like terrible. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm sure you older, older, older listeners might really, really like Delilah. But whatever. That hey, yeah, that, that that you. Oh, Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. So yeah. Oh yeah, number Linda eighty-three. Rod's, Linda Ronstadt. Wait, that's who? Wait, was Cece Winans? Then she must have been uh, Aladdin. Whole new world. Or was that BB somebody? The the uh, chart hit to that or the. Oh, Re- not retail, yeah, or the whatever like single release because it wasn't from the movie that they would release. They had the version. because oh, yeah, it Peebo, wasn't. Never mind, Peebo Bryson. I'm, I don't even know who these names I'm saying, <laughs> but that's who I was thinking of for some reason. But yeah, Linda Rossett, That's probably why because I, I remember she was pretty big. Linda Rossett oh, yeah, in the eighties, yeah. yeah, huge country singer. Country, really? I thought mm-hmm. so, wasn't she? No, no, I think she Linda was Ronstadt? like a contemporary. Maybe I'm thinking of Barman Drill. Never mind. They both had blonde hair, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm doubting everything I say. Yeah, no, she didn't. She was a brunette. <laughs> Way off. 
Yeah, Linda Ross, she had those kind of, you know, that music easy, is y'all's domain. That like easy, <laughs> easy listening kind of stuff. Gotcha. Man. Yeah, I was thinking of Barbara Mandrell Just in terms popular of like popular music. music. Yeah, rock, what was rock her and hit? roll. Like I know the name, but what was like her? Let's see what Apple Music thinks. <laughs> her well, hit somewhere was. out there is what I remember. Yeah, because know the name, but again, I can't name a song that she sang. Although I might be able to now. I just sing that. Oh wait, she sang that. She's actually responsible for the Eagles because really? the Eagles used to be her backup band. Oh wow! And uh, she went to them. Like you guys are too good to be playing behind me. So they wow. decided to go, and they got bigger than she did. <laughs> yeah, uh, highest selling album of all time. I don't know if it still holds or not. Like, uh, Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Top no. songs. This is their num- What they say is number one for Linda Ronstadt. Okay, I've heard this. It's not on my iTunes, though. So. <laughs> but it's definitely like rock. Yeah. Yeah. American song type of yeah. stuff. Well, she did Desperado, too. I guess that's, I mean, I guess in a, in a way that kind of sounds country like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. they might have played it on Cajun 103 back in the day. I don't know. Yeah. It Roots and country, folk rock type of stuff, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, crossover artist, so good for her. But you're hearing, you know, uh, Glenn Fry in the background. <laughs> rest, is, rest in peace. Maybe not on this track, but sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if they started with her, and I imagine this isn't like her fifth album, yeah. you know, so, or it wouldn't be off of her fifth album. I don't know, but I'm sure, I'm sure y'all are familiar with an American Tale. I mean, as a kid, I mean, you oh, see yeah, it in the theater yeah. or... I remember it a lot more at home, mm-hmm. you know. Video, watching it like, on repeat or rewind. I've <laughs> even remembered watching it later on when you know when I was older, like on television, you know, catching it on you know probably some kind of Disney Channel kind of you know movies played on Disney Channel. Yeah. Back when Disney Channel was still popular. Well, I think it is now. Or Disney XD. I don't, I don't know. I don't know all these they crazy changed, channels they got they now. They changed so much. <laughs> When back it was a simpler time. I mean, back in demand. my day, it was Kids Incorporated and the Mickey Mouse Club, and then <laughs> you know Disney movies for the rest of the day. Practically. Oh no! Here come the tears. <laughs> Keep it together, Melissa. Keep it together. <laughs> Jesse's right here. He's not separated, you know, across the sprawling metropolis of 1800s or ni- early 1900s New York. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, but watching it again as an adult, you know, like oh, okay, I'm glad I watched it again to refresh my memory, but. Yeah. <laughs> when I have a kid who can, when I have a six-year-old, hey, let's watch this movie. Right. You know, there's, there, there's a, not saying it's bad. It's just, eh, I'm revisiting. You know, I'm, I'm not, not going to own it on Blu-ray. Just say it. Yeah. I got the soundtrack on iTunes. That's enough for me. Oh yeah. But uh, uh some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Five will Spielberg produced this, and this actually, this is, film's important because this is almost the, this is the genesis, part of the genesis of DreamWorks, or, uh, mm-hmm. the animation side of DreamWorks, because Spielberg wanted to do an animated film. But he produced this one, and this was kind of like, hey, we need to do more animation. And of course, DreamWorks Animation today has got what? How He Trained Your Dragon. Uh, is Kung Fu Panda DreamWorks? I'm not sure, but I mean, yeah, yeah. DreamWorks. It's a, it's a, yeah. A, Kung Fu Panda. Excuse me, DreamWorks Animation is huge now. You know, it, it. These movies picked up. You know, Don Blues films really carried the animation torch for a while until the Disney Renaissance. Shrek. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. That's, That's the, big, the big, one. big one. Yeah, Madagascar. Yeah. Yep. Definitely Shrek. Yeah. I think we hit the big. Oh, we have to put some boots to the spinoff. Yep. Mega Prince of Egypt. Was... Oh, that was that was '98. Never mind. Yeah. Really? I thought that was. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Prince of yeah. Egypt had some good, like you know, like how a lot of these movies had big singers, you know, yeah. kind of come in and 
Because that one had, what, like Whitney Houston on or something? Hey, Val Kilmer as Moses. I mean, hey. You know. I want to say Egyptian it was like Mariah, Mariah and Whitney sang for that one. I, I want to say. Because I've never seen that until. I would have assumed that was Disney just because it's anim- like drawn. Yeah. 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 Weird. Yeah, but I mean, pretty much starting around this time, you know, Disney wasn't just the only ones doing animation, and this is one of the films that kind of really when kicked th- it up. When I think of DreamWorks, I think you know, computer animated. Yeah, don't think hand drawn anything. Yeah, because they also did style. Spirit, which was hand drawn. I remember that. Yeah, um, but yeah, mostly. But yeah, pretty computer. much everything else is. I mean, CG. everybody's computer now. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, FIFA was the name of Spielberg's grandfather, so that's where the name came from. Mm. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of. Obviously, the control that Spielberg had as a producer, you know, worked itself into the film and the script. Now, the scene in the movie where Fievel presses up against a window to look into the classroom uh, with all the, the school mice, you know, all that, uh, that was based on a story. On yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story Spielberg remembered about his grandfather, who told him that Jews were only able to listen to school lessons through open windows while sitting outside in the snow. Wow. Mm. Racism, even then. Wasn't just color your skin. Five full mm-hmm. sleeve falls down. You see numbers. <laughs> on his oh, goodness. <laughs> this movie is that, already that, sad that, enough for yeah. children. No, well, some hidden messages in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, but also, you know, mice, Jewish mice. There's another famous work called Mouse. We'll get into that in just a second. Yeah, okay. uh, but, you know, there's a famous, you know, in live action movies or any movie, you have the Wilhelm scream famous sound effect. Mm-hmm. Also, there's another famous sound effect that rears its uh, head, its sound so to speak, in uh, animation, and that's Castle Thunder. That same that stock oh. thunder sound. It's in this one. It's heard a few times in the film. It's the first clap of thunder as the storm hits the boat. A variation is heard again when Five will first use the fish on the flooded deck of the boat, and once more right before the wave monster rams right into the ship, knocking Five will overboard. The Castle Thunder classic sound. Hmm. Uh, it's, this is the still to this day, at least according to IMDb, the highest-grossing non-Disney animated film. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. At the time. Pardon me. So something else has overthrown it. But again, estimate. Wiki says 150 worldwide. Uh, IMDb says 84.5. So uh, I don't know where that stands today or adjusted for inflation, whatever that will make a difference. Uh, but anyway, the success of American Tale, Land Before Time, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, as well as uh, Don, Don Bluth leaving the partnership of him and Spielberg, is what uh, led Spielberg to establish his own animation studio, Amblimation, which would later become DreamWorks Animation. Mm. So again, this is sort of the genesis of that partnership and that animation side of Spielberg, which would go up to all the way, you know, with uh, the DreamWorks films, but also, what was it, Tintin? Adventures of Tintin? Yeah. Meh. Yeah, what a thrilling movie that was. (laughs) So enthusiastic. (laughs) Just like how exciting the movie was. Mm. Uh, Anyway, but uh, Somewhere Out There was nominated for Best Original Song. It lost, however, to the song from Top Gun, Take My Breath Away. So... I mm. think somewhere out there is a little better, to be honest. I would have given the Oscar to that one, basically between choosing between those two. Uh, but anyway, uh, it did win song of the the song of the year Grammy, however. So it got mm. some some accolades. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, Mouse uh, Maus, however you want to pronounce it, M A U S. It's a famous graphic novel. Consi- many people consider it one of the best graphic novels of all time. But it's uh, it's by a gentleman named Art Spiegelman, uh, and it's basically telling the story of the Holocaust. Well, let me let me. Let me let me sum up. Uh, Art Spiegelman would talk to his grandfather, Holocaust survivor, about his ordeal in the camp, like just everything he went through. And then he took those stories and adapted it as though they were mice. Oh. So the Nazis are cats and the mice are the Jews, basically. And that's why it's called Mouse, mm-hmm. M-A-U-S. 
don't know if it's still pronounced mouse or however, I've never heard somebody actually pronounce it. But anyway, uh, he accused Spielberg of plagiarism due to the fact that the Jews are depicted as mice in an American tale, which is blatantly obvious, uh, just as in Mouse, which was Oh, earlier. I have seen that before, that book. Yeah, and it's two volumes, if I remember correctly, but it's, again, it's... It's almost written, yeah, see, it's got a very, like, simple art style, mm. but it's that, it's that same, you know, it's history. It's biography, but mice as Jews, cats as Nazis. I guess, you know, for whatever, you know, it, it works for the story. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure where, I guess you just want to maybe make it more real or bring it home. I don't know what his idea was behind that dynamic, but, you know, but it's, it's regardless, it's really good. Uh, but, uh... Again, he sued Spielberg, but instead of pursuing copyright litigation, he opted to beat the film's release date by convincing his publishers to split Mouse into two volumes, which, oh, there you go, which is why it's two volumes, before he even finished the second volume, so that Miles 1, Volume 1, came out before An American Tale. Mm. So it was sort of like a Dante's Peak volcano or <laughs> Deep Impact Armageddon situation going on about Jewish mice. Mm. So, yeah, but uh, again, Miles is... High, is you know, usually on top ten lists for graphic novels, usually. At least a lot of lists that I've seen. <laughs> but it's either that way. <laughs> Nowadays, I don't know, you know, the state of comic books today is so... I don't know what people consider oh, good gosh, now. There's, there are so many different graphic novels now. They'll, they'll make a graphic novel out of anything today. <laughs> yep. But uh, it should be noted, too, American Tale, extremely popular. Again, at the time, highest grossing non-Disney animated film. Only one sequel, Five Goes West. Yep. Big which, difference yeah, of, to the of film which, we're going to do at the yeah. end of this series. So keep that in mind. Yeah. One sequel on American Tale. Of which I, I do remember watching the second one. I don't know if it's just because of when it came out. Maybe I was a little older than Maybe it's just... But I remember seeing the second one more than the first one. But, you know, like... Each one had had its good point, you know. Each, each one had the parts you're gonna remember mm -hmm. from when you're younger. See, I, I think I saw the second one. I think it's exactly opposite for me. I saw the first one innumerable times, and then by the second one came out, I was old and older to where like I saw it maybe once and just didn't care. And never, I, I still don't think I've seen it more than once. I just remember he goes to the west. That's I remember <laughs> the title. I don't remember anything about it. To be perfectly honest with you. But uh, score wise, again. Uh, Going back and, you know, revisiting this movie, you know, as a kid, it was one of my favorite, <coughs> it probably was my favorite animated movie in the 80s as a kid, it, this and Land Before Time. Because, uh, again, we were, Disney, until the tail end of the 80s, you didn't have, this is a pre-Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. This is before Disney got its glory back mm. in terms of animation. 80s is really kind of bleak in animation, uh, and not in terms of its it's uh, the quality of it, but in terms of the content, because after mm -hmm. we do a little sneak preview for the podcast, after we, uh, a few months after we do these animation films, we're also going to look at the Japanese animation for the Japanese animation films of the time, like Akira's one of them, one of, considered one of the greatest anime films of all time. Um. And again, to remind people, this, oh, they're going to talk about anime? Anime was a hell of a lot different when I was a kid <laughs> than this oh, yeah. girly crap y'all are kids are reading now. Oh, I, I remember seeing Akira as a midnight film. Like, it, it was shown on the big screen as a, as a special feature midnight movie whenever mm -hmm. I saw it. And it, it still it still held up. I liked it. I mean, that, and that's the thing. Like, because you have anime in the 80s, you also you had Secret of Nim, which for a kid's movie was mm. had some pretty scary stuff in it. It was some scary rat creature. Yeah. <laughs> <in that> uh, 
<laughs> and you also had a lot of adult animated films. Like in terms mm. of adult, I mean, like R. You had Heavy Metal, Rated oh, R. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I can't remember this other one. I'm, I'm still on tip my tongue. I can't remember it. It was a very, it was an urban type movie, but it was animated. Anyway, it'll come to me sometime in the future, and I'll reference it then, like I tend to do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, after we kind of talk about these kids' movies, we will go into down the road the Japan. And I, when I was a kid, it, anime wasn't even a thing. It was manga video, and they called it Japanimation. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and I had them on VHS, and this is, and I'm looking at the screen. I'm like, go, this is, I'm talking even pre Ghost in the Shell before it got cool. Oh, Ghost like I'm talking. I'll give you like, the movies we're gonna look at are gonna be Akira, Vampire Hunter D, Wicked City, and Fist of the North Star. Yep. If you don't know what those are, and you're listening, and you're like, oh, that's not uh, super Genshin Gaijin <laughs> Schoolgirl X. That's because I'm talking badass shit. <laughs> this is. Gore, like these are R-rated animated films that are Jeez. amazing. Oh, yeah, that came back. Even the kind of like manga comics that you see, like if you look in like say a library, there's all the graphic novel section of all this kind of like cartoonish thing, and then the the manga is like all this own little section. I mean, it's all this kind of like yeah, and, girly and bookstores and everything. Like I don't know what's what. Thing. But see, when I was growing up, you just had you had manga video, and they had like one little row in like. Sam Good, the music, the stores in the mall that sold it on VHS, mm-hmm. and I mean, I would freak. I mean, every time they get something new, Record of Lotus War, all this Ninja Scroll. That's where I discovered that. Like all this, like oh crap, like, and it was these are R-rated, these are adult cartoons with still to this day some of the most amazing animation you've ever seen. But anyway, we're talking about that later. Right now, we're talking <laughs> about these kids' movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. so but yeah, that's coming. But uh, anyway. Score Watch for American Tale, it's, like I was mentioning, I don't want to sound like I didn't still like it. It's still great. It's still good. I still see the quality in it, but it's not like, oh, my God, I want to watch it again and again and again. Like, that's, as an adult, it doesn't have that, that thing that just kind of makes an adult want to watch it. Uh, but still, it still holds up. If you haven't seen it or you have, if you want to revisit it like we do here, I'd still give it an eight. It's still a good movie. It's still a good animated movie, especially this took, you know, it was in a, uh, it was in a desert of animation. At its, its time frame, and it's it's you know it's worthy to be up there with Disney movies. Mm. You know, yeah. Disney didn't have what it had, what it uh, used to have at this time before it came back. And Don Bluth filled the role with not just uh, American Tale, but again, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven. I mean, some of the most memorable animated movies of the uh, early and mid '80s. They're not Disney. Don Bluth. He sure had a and, style too. Jeez, he oh yeah. wanted the children to cry. <laughs> well, here's here's a, here's the thing too. Like, and his films look different from the Disney films because, uh, if I can remember, I'll try to post the picture on the Facebook page after this airs. Uh, there's a picture of him standing, and he has his foot about a foot off the ground on a stack of papers, and that's how much anima- how much animation they had in a typical animated movie at the time. Mm. His elbow is leaning on the amount of animation they had in an American Tale. That's how, wow. The, that, wow. And, 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 and when you watch it and remind yourself, this is hand-drawn 1986, you can see the difference. It's not like, love He-Man, Masters of the Universe and He-Man and G.I. Joe, love those cartoons to death. But when you watch it, there's usually four or five scenes that appear in every single episode of those cartoons of somebody running away from the camera, running towards the camera, picking something up. Because animation, again, hand-drawn animation, it's not cheap. Mm. But for Don Bluth films... It, they always had that more fluid, lifelike, for lack of a better term, look to them because the amount of animation they put into them. And it truly shows even today when you watch it. Gosh, that's even more impressive with that hat having to off and on, off and on, that going all over the place. 
Yeah, but uh, in the real world, again, this film released November 21st, 1986, on, uh, let's see, the same day, uh, that, uh, around the time period of the Iran-Contra affair, Ali North shred doc- shredded documents that implicated uh, then uh, him selling weapons to Iran and financing the money to Contra rebels in Nicaragua. Basically, the seeds of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Mm. Uh, back in the day when they were the good guys, along with us, <laughs> you know, as it tends to happen in history, those who do not learn from the past are destined to repeat it. They live long enough to be the villain. <laughs> there you go. That's right, Harvey. <laughs> Harvey. Uh, but since we're doing Animation Month, and we haven't—I think we did an episode about cartoons with Daniel a long time ago. But the Back to the Future segment is going to be different. Top fives things. My top five things, again, as right. usual, because I'm selfish and uh, yeah, I do this podcast. <laughs> Y'all are my guests in Jesse's studio. Uh, but anyway, uh, this week I'm going to talk about my top five, what I consider the top five most underrated cartoons of the 80s. And every, um, as I was going, I was like, this might not be considered underrated, but everybody had different programming where they were as kids. Like some of these cartoons you might know. You know, oh, I watch that all the time. You might be like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, this is a very subjective list because... You know, uh, Saturday mornings or weekday mornings here, we had USA, TBS, the regular channels, T- uh, CBS, ABC, et cetera, and all they had different cartoons. But, you know, sometimes you had to miss an episode of, uh, for example, Cops to watch Donna Riders. You know, you had, to, you know, you had to kind of pick and choose. We had the luxury of that when we were kids. Mm-hmm. It's not like today. We're like, oh, let's see on Netflix. Oh, X-Men animated series. Well, let's start with number one <laughs> or whatever. You know, you don't, you don't miss anything these days. <sighs> uh, but back in the day... Uh, let me make sure because I rearranged my list because I didn't want to be pretentious. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> anyway, uh, number... I have all these crazy arrows because I ripped this in a red pen. Let me see. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three, four, five. Okay, that's correct. One, two, three, four. Okay. Number five, Centurions. I, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck alone here. Uh, Centurions. Uh, that was the one where you had the three guys. The action figures had all the holes in them, but they had the pe- all their accessories had the pegs so you can equip them their armor. You had like Ace McCloud. He was the air, the flying guy, and all of his pieces had like you know jet stuff. And then you had another guy who was underwater, and you had another guy who was uh, like the land. There it is. Centurions. Wait, no, that's a different one. That's in humanoids. <laughs> the number, that's the number four one, by the way. But uh, cats attacking me here. But uh, yeah, Centurions uh, only had sixty-five episodes, which in the eighties, kids, that's one season. Because there weren't really, they didn't syndicate, you know, they'd play one a day practically, so you'd see the same episode once or twice a year. In the near future, Doc Terror yep. and his cyborg companion hacker unleash their forces to conquer Earth. Like how they have to tell you everything right up uh, Every that's that's a good cartoon intro in the eighties. They had they explain everything. Some kids first time seeing this. Exactly. Don't, don't have to see the first episode. You know, Thundercats. Like I, I never saw the first episode of Thundercats until like years later. I didn't know that Lionel was a kid at first. And when I saw like, wait a second, what the hell? He was a kid, you know, an adult, like that age. Like that's why he was so stupid. Or, like you're so like a bad leader. Wow. But yeah, these intros were great. Look at that animation now. <laughs> Rubber face. But yeah, Centurion, 65 episodes. Uh, the figures were great. Only had, the only one I had was Ace McCloud, the flying one. But they all had, like, they came in, at the time, big boxes because their accessories were, you know, they shot missiles and all sorts of stuff. And you could even buy accessory packs, like Ace McCloud space stuff, instead of just his regular flying stuff. So, really cool cartoon, tied into the toy line. I enjoyed the hell out of it. 
Mm. Uh, let's see. Wait. Okay, I'll get one, two, three. Okay, number, excuse me, number four is not a humanoid. It's Brave Star. Basically, he meant Native American He-Man, except he didn't have to turn into Brave Star. He was always Brave Star. But he had his trusty horse who would become bipedal and fight with him. Uh, he had his own little rogues gallery of villains. And, of course, my dad was, used to be a cowboy. Literally, he was a cowboy. He rodeoed and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So it was West, so he'd actually, like, watch it with me as a kid because it was Western, sci-fi Western-themed. He's like, this is so real. <laughs> That's like, Dad, Daddy, did that happen when you were a cowboy? Yeah, son. That's exactly, exactly how. what happened. I wanted a space horse. Once but again, again, see, look. They explain it. Yeah. In song. It's great. <laughs> Brave Star. See how fucking awesome is that? Cartoons don't have this these days. And we'll get onto the, the best themes in a later episode. <laughs> but see, yeah. See, Brave Star had the different powers. Horse, uh, Puma, he like, I have the vision of the hawk. And he used that to see far away. To see where the enemies were. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> and you know, hey, uh, this, is ni- this is 1987. Native American hero. You know, you don't see, you know, it's like that Andy Samberg movie, his first movie, huh? where he's the uh, stunt guy. Oh, Hot Rod? Hot Rod. <laughs> oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's like his yeah. bear, <laughs> dolphin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ripped it off from Brave Star. Definitely. Eyes of an eagle. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm pretty sure they had toys for Brave Star, but I don't think I had a single one of them. But I love uh, a cartoon. Cartoon was great. And again, a lot of these 80s cartoons, it was just... They were built to sell toys. Right. But they all had a unique thing to them, like number three, mm. Inhumanoids. And I mentioned them before, their big thing was the villain toys in this line were huge. They were so big, you could take the hero characters and put them in like the ribcage of the villains, like as a prison, because they would fight these giant monsters out of the earth. And Inhumanoids. And see, the good guys are like, you know, kind of small. Uh, the figures are at least with the vehicles, but the villains were like, huge. And I had a friend that had a couple of the big monsters. I never did, although of course I did have the Joe aircraft carrier, so I really can't complain. But the toys were amazing. I would go in the store and just stare at these things. Jeez. But at the end of the day, when it came to my birthday or Christmas, it was He-Man and GI Joe. <laughs> but I always wanted in humanoids. So, Mom, if you happen to stumble upon this podcast, sorry for the <laughs> fact that of the horrible language that I use sometimes, or it's not for your ears, but give me some humanoids for Christmas. It's not too late. Put it on your wish list. But, uh, oh, Brave Star also, 65 episodes. Inhumanoids, 13. Wow. Oh, so wow. One season. I think, and the, I honestly remember more about the toy line of humanoids than anything about the cartoon, except the Inhumanoids. I remember the theme song. Because again, 13 episodes, that means it probably only ran for a couple months and then the toy yeah. line was all they had. But uh, the toy line didn't even last that long. You know, it was kind of like out for a bit and then, just, you know, once it sold, they didn't put out new ones. Mm. Uh, number three would be, uh, for me, would be Silverhawks, which was a group, uh, another sci fi cartoon with a group of intrepid space people who all were silver and could fly. Oh, yeah, I had a lunchbox. Yeah. And they had, they had uh, you know, they had the female one, they had the little short kid one, they had the, you know, the typical leader guy. Uh, then they had the cowboy one that would play a guitar every now and then. But the cool, their toy line, which was different at the time, was they, you know, they, all their hands would pop out and their wings would come out, but they all had silk, like chrome, like chrome dome from Ninja Turtles. Like their figures were actually looked metal, but they were plastic. Hmm. That painted, you know, after being t- oh, thrown right. in the toy box a few times, it, like, it became black and they weren't silver. Because they just scraped, scraped off or whatever. Uh, but that was another one as uh, uh, similar to Brave Star Centurions. Only 65 episodes. 
Here's a fun fact, though. I didn't know this, but Silverhawks was made by the same company as Thundercats, and canonically, they're in the same universe. So one part of the galaxy, Silverhawks is happening, whereas Thundercats are on Earth 2 or whatever it was called. I forgot the name. I think it was Earth 2. Whatever. But number one, rightfully so, deserving to be the number one most underrated cartoon of the 80s, because a lot of people don't remember it, Dino Saucers. <laughs> and also, to spoil another list later, it's one of the best damn theme songs of all time. I still sing this. I listen to it. It is on my iPod, or aka my iPhone. Dino it, Saucers. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. In fact, uh, that episode where we talked about it, and I think, Jesse, you might not have heard it, or Autumn didn't hear it, I think. And she's like, like, play it, play it. And then, like, she heard it, and then he has a line where she's like, oh, Bossasaur! She's like, oh, that's my new nickname. Like, you can't give yourself a nickname. <laughs> if anything, in this relationship, I'm the Bossasaur, and you listen to me. They were called Dinosaurs. So, and again, they got the narration, they're explaining everything, but the background music is like, if I was in a metal band, we would like open with the Dinosaurs theme. Or we, I, I'd, I'd throw it in there somewhere. Here it is, Bossasaur. Because I joke with Autumn, she's like, I'm a T-Rex. Because she has short arms. Because she's short. That's the only reason. She doesn't have like deformed short arms. Right. She's like, I can't reach it. I'm like, oh, you're a T-Rex. There's a joke to her. She's an, I call her Audi Rex. She calls me Triceratops. It's, it's a couples thing. If you don't have a significant other, you don't yeah. understand. <laughs> it's a dumb thing couples do. You'll have your own plenty of names. But uh, anyway, Dinosaurs. Again, 65 episodes. This would come on uh, Family Channel is where I discovered this show. Wow. And it was, it was a tail end of the 80s. Excuse me, so it, it barely kind of counts, but it still consider. I think uh, not many people, when I, you talk about cartoons from the 80s, either they A, don't remember it, or don't realize it was part of the 80s, or just don't even know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> A lot of people are like, oh, you mean Dino Riders? No, 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 no. That sucked compared to Dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaurs, and, and again, and then you had Beast Wars come along, which is the same principle practically, right. except they were all creatures, or they had the Beast Wars dino thing eventually, which was pretty much Dinosaurs. What's weird is when I was just watching this this clip of it, the rings made me think of Captain Planet. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like <laughs> totally Captain Planet. Like as soon as I'm like, oh. Well, the rings doing dinosaurs remember like just like dinosaurs were under attack. We need your help. Oh goodness! Now they don't, that's like, like they don't turn into. Well, them, now that's right? like you know talking into your your you know Power Ranger yeah thing like you know Zordon, good go yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, some honorable mentions. Uh, originally, my number one was Danger Mouse. But it was hugely popular in England, so I didn't feel that would kind of meet the criteria for specifically what we were talking about. But Danger Mouse was amazing. One of the best things, again, theme songs, you know about theme songs? One of my favorite oh, cartoons. Oh, I remember seeing some of Mouse. As a kid, uh, my mom tell, will tell stories about this all the time. I love Danger Mouse so much, but for some reason I would take my shirt loop and pull my arm out of it, so my arm was sticking out. And the only reason my parents could think I would do that was because of his eye patch for some reason. I associated, like, <laughs> sticking my hand out. Yes. I was imitating Danger Mouse. Yeah, I guess. And I would run around screaming Danger Mouse, pretending I was Danger Mouse. <laughs> Not many people know that story, but now our dozen of li- dozens uh, of listeners do, and I'm completely literally embarrassed. Literally dozens of them. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Cops. I mentioned that. Dino Riders, Pound yeah. Puppies, and Rambo. Oh, or some I watched other ones. Pound Puppies. But again, a lot. I think you know, not that I have discussions about '80s cartoons every day, to where I can like aggregate these numbers. It's but you know, like every now and then, when like you're being nostalgic, oh, you remember that? Oh shit, yeah, man, that was awesome. And like, wait, what are you talking about? Like a lot of people, you know, 
your Saturday morning cartoons, like everybody shares a few, but there are some that are really unique as far as like you as opposed to people that, you know, your, your, very, your circle of friends, either due to age or simply the fact that they were watching ABC while you were watching TBS in USA. Yeah. Because, again, no DVRs. It's, you know, I don't, I'm not sure when the technology came to where you could like record one channel while you're watching another because at first you had to watch the channel you were recording. So, you know, like you had sacrifices had to be made when it came to Saturday morning cartoons. And see, unfortunately for me, I grew up with grandparents who most of the time, whenever I'd spend those kind of childhood times watching cartoons, I was watching like reruns of things from way back in, you know, like Flintstones, Jetsons, those Mm -hmm. kind of things. So those would come on to something like, especially during the week, it seems like those were like one of the big ones, like between either TBS or again, USA, uh, various channels would, you know. Cartoon, those old cartoons were in syndication for a long time, you know, just like you know how Seinfeld's. Well, I don't even know. If, well, I don't even know what's in syndication because I, I haven't had cable now for a year. Now their goal is to get on Hulu. Yeah, and get all those episodes up there. And yeah, well, that's precisely. how. Well, that's how. Like with Jim and the Holograms. Yeah, there's a, that's on Netflix now. Yeah, or at least it was. I'm not sure after the disaster piece of the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> which that... it wasn't. I didn't mention it last episode because I never saw it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I'm, see it either. There's, I draw a line somewhere. <laughs> And I know for a fact there's nothing good to come from me saying that yeah, I that, saw that. So, yeah. Well, I, I remember catching all the cartoons from watching it later on on yeah. Netflix and then remembering seeing it when I was young, but then watching it older and it's like, okay. It, and it was very much like one of those basic, uh, you know, explains everything in the in the introduction of, all, of the song and then it's like, oh, this is who they are. Jim is my name. Jim. It's like, okay, yeah. we know your name now. That was such a big thing. Like, and to, and like, you know, TV shows these days, I mean, you know, they still have like ones that have things, but a lot of themes, but a lot of them just like go right into it or they don't have like a specific thing. You know, Games, Game of Thrones is one where they, they you know, it has a da na 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 like they ha- it has a specific mm-hmm. theme song. Walking Dead, they, I mean, it's similar, but they do change it up a little bit, but it's still, you know, I mean, gosh, even Lost only had a sound. You know, like, like a True Detective. <laughs> it was one you know, sound. One, you know, it changes each season. Like, there's not a theme song for True Detective. Mm. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, they just, they don't have the same kind of theme song. Like, I mean. Big Bang Theory does, even though I don't watch it. I know it has one. Yeah, but, but it doesn't seem like it's, a, it's not a common thing these days, like it was back in the day where every song or every TV, every single TV show that came on had a theme song. Especially. A specific theme song. Well, and especially those 80s style. Oh, yeah. Kind of t- I mean, that, that was a thing. It was a big. Yeah. Big thing, then. Very much so. Well, I think that wraps up our first episode. Uh, of course, if you need to, I didn't, I completely forgot last month, but that was our first one back after a hiatus, so I'm excused. I'm excusing wow. myself <laughs> for not mentioning the email address, asiavisited at gmail.com. And also, don't forget, also, we are part of the Awesome Podcast Network. There are all the classic episodes out there of Geekly Dose, Duo Attack. Jesse has his own podcast where he talks mm-hmm. to people he knows and we know, but you know nothing about. Yep. So, you might like that. Conversations. Interesting. I need to do another one. <laughs> uh, of course, Why Don't You Know This, which is great for passing the time, a trivia podcast. Uh, and if you like uh, Cora, uh, Legend of Cora, whatever, mm-hmm. that show, uh, Tim Bridgewater uh, had a podcast on the entire series, I believe. All that's yep. still up. Speaking of, you know, I don't know, is that, I guess it's a, that's an American series, isn't it? That's not yeah. Japanese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it does retain sort of that look, that oh, yeah, anime yeah. sort of look, mm-hmm. but it's American. Nickelodeon does that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah they're, oh, yeah. They're, Done now. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually an American cartoon. Uh, and also, uh, our good friends, always a shout-out, John and James in Lafayette with Now versus Nostalgia. 
Uh, Still got your jacket. Yeah. Yeah. But we had a shitty winter here, so I don't think you needed it. So maybe that's why. (laughs) Actually, since we moved, I don't know where it is. But it's around here somewhere. We'll find it whenever we meet up with you again, John. But until next time, everybody. Oh, we'll meet back here next week. We'll talk about The Black Cauldron, a very controversial animated film for its time. And we'll we'll discuss that and some other things next week right here on Asia Visited. Until then, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Melissa Sedgley. Cowabunga! This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. 